0: Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here again with you on this Easter Sunday morning. Thanks to the kids for beautifully reading us the scriptures this morning from John chapter 20. What a joy it is to be together on this Easter Sunday morning. Jesus is risen. If you're with us uh, this morning, you're so welcome. Um, uh, if you're joining us, maybe for the first time even, you're even more welcome. We're living through challenging days, different days, peculiar days, and we hope that we can bring some light and hope to your soul today. Uh, We've heard these beautiful readings already that the children have read for us describing Resurrection Sunday, Um, and it's so good to be reminded of this incredible moment in history that changed the world and continues to change the world. Uh, in the world that we live in today, we love to dramatize things, don't we? We like to hype things up. We love to be, um, to big things up, we might say. or uh, And we've, we've run out, I think, of the necessary superlatives to describe things. Um, we live in a world where everything's unreal, or everything's unbelievable, or everything's awesome, or everything's amazing, or everything's super. And uh, the, the, the sort of principle of relativity, because of the limitations of vocabulary, mean that 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 we uh, we can't distinguish between what's really amazing, and what's just okay. When it comes to the resurrection, though, it's impossible to underestimate it. It's impossible to hype it up more than it is. It's impossible to overstate it. Uh, It's impossible even to fully comprehend what happened on Easter Sunday morning because it is the most world-changing, death-defying, monumental act in history. It breaks all the boundaries and borders of finiteness. And um, that's why we can't talk about it with as much excitement as we are today uh, because it's just the most amazing event in history. Of course, it's the story of the Jesus who was crucified and the resurrection goes along with the crucifixion. Uh, And um, it's the story of Jesus who was crucified for the sins of the world, buried in a tomb and on the third day rose again. The good news that we have to share is that Jesus isn't very good at staying dead. He came out of the tomb. His love was so powerful. So uh, the love that was demonstrated on the cross fully for us was so powerful, so dynamic that death couldn't hold it. It was so strong, so full that death couldn't contain it, couldn't overpower it. The stone that was sealing up the tomb couldn't contain the life that was within the tomb. And as John said at the start of his gospel, we found out that though the light would shine in the darkness, the darkness could not overcome it. Resurrection is the church's word. It's right at the center of our faith. It's what our whole story is built around. Eugene Peterson said, the Bible is not a script for a funeral service, but it is the record of God always bringing life wherever we expected to find death. Everywhere is the story of Resurrection. <clears throat> and so all over the world today, people are celebrating because they're reading not from a Bible, which is a script of a funeral service, but of a celebration of life. And life that cannot be conquered by death. And so what I want to say and what I want to offer to you today is it's not actually just the church's world, it's the story of the whole world. You see, the resurrection was the completion, if you like, of the mission of Jesus on the earth, to reveal to the world what the world was originally supposed to look like when he first created it, and what it will look like when he comes back to establish his rule and reign, his beautiful, kind, loving, truthful rule and reign full of justice and righteousness on the earth. The whole world through the resurrection is being invited into a new world, let me try and explain a bit more. N.T. Wright says this. Easter was when hope in a person, so like hope embodied in a person, surprised the whole world by coming forward from the future into the present. It means that at the resurrection, a new order had begun, had broken into this world that we live in. Uh, the order and the hope of heaven, how 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 heaven's going to look For those of us who know Jesus, um, the the way of heaven and the life of heaven and the order of heaven that we're gonna know forever, it's being ushered into the present through the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And someday Jesus is coming back to fully establish that reign on the earth. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more cancer. There'll be no more coronavirus. There's something beautiful that's gonna take place but my point to you today is the beauty and the celebration of the resurrection is that that new order, that new world is already breaking into this one through Jesus' death and through his resurrection. Arundhati Daddy Roy said, another world is possible. Sorry, another world is not only possible. She is on her way. And on a quiet day, I can hear her breathing. Another world is not only possible, she is on her way. And on a quiet day, I can hear her breathing. There's an invitation to start living into resurrection life right now. But let me try and personalize this story for you this morning. And this invitation from Jesus to resurrection life. The Gospels give us different accounts of the resurrection. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the one that we've read from this morning with the help of the kids is in John's Gospel, chapter 20. And in the first half of that chapter it tells us about Mary Magdalene, a woman, going to the tomb that morning. Now, Mary was one of Jesus' early followers. We read about her in the Gospels. We don't know loads about her, but we do know in Luke's Gospel, uh, we're told that she had seven demons cast out of her. And so at the very least, we can, we can summarize that she had some issues. <laughs> She's like us all, but she seems to have been a pretty broken woman. Also, Mary Magdalene actually really means Mary of Magdala. And on the Lake of Galilee, Magdala was the place where Roman soldiers camped. And so we could say Mary of the Roman camp, of the soldiers camped, and you can only begin to imagine what that might have implied. And yet this woman who has met Jesus, she's met Jesus, And she's been delivered from her past. She's been set free. She's been forgiven. She's been put on a path towards liberty and wholeness. And I want you to imagine her this resurrection morning, going to the tomb to grieve the man who loved her like nobody had ever loved her before. She wants to be that little bit closer to him. I don't know about you, but some of us can understand that when we lose somebody we really love, our senses haven't quite processed the fact that we're not going to be able to touch them and hold them and be close to them again. And so we go to the grave in order to feel that little bit closer, in order to feel that little bit more love that we knew when they were here. But when she gets to the tomb, she notices that the stone is rolled away. And so she runs and tells Peter and John, and they come to the tomb. And to their surprise, they realize that the the, the stone has been rolled away and Jesus isn't there but they seem perplexed and confused, and so it almost feels a little bit insensitive. They leave Mary at the tomb. They go back, and she's left on her own to grieve Jesus, not just losing him the first time, but now his body has gone, and it feels like she's been completely re-traumatized again because now they've taken away his body, and she was coming to be the first to anoint him. Her body and her emotions are in shock. She's broken and trying to process her grief. And the story tells us that it's into this pain and this extreme sense of loss that Mary is feeling that two angels appear. And the two angels appear and they ask her, why are you weeping? And Mary, it seems, is so consumed with her grief, so broken and desperate because Jesus has been taken away that she almost ignores the angels. She doesn't really give them that much attention. She's just met somebody better than the angels. She's met Jesus and he's gone and she is longing for him and out of her desperation she says they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've put him and then it tells us in the next verse that Jesus is standing there but Mary doesn't recognize him she thinks he's the gardener she assumes he's someone else and the point I want to make three points today the first one is this even though She is alone in her grief. She's not alone. And my number one point is this. You are not alone. You're not alone. No matter how much we feel we're alone, we're not alone. Jesus is standing in the middle of Mary's pain. He's present, even though she doesn't know it. He's not obvious to her, but John tells us he's there. And isn't this so often the case in our in the trauma of our own hearts, in the brokenness and the loneliness of the trials and tribulations of life that we go through, in the midst of our weeping and our pain, we, we feel alone. We can feel abandoned. We think Jesus is not there. Sometimes we think that God's actually to blame for what's going on in our lives. And yet the truth of what I want you to hear this morning, with all the passion in the world that I can say it, is no matter how low or away or far we feel from Jesus, you are not alone. You might not have fully recognized him yet, but he is there. He is there. This is what this scripture teaches us. The silence never means absence. It never does. He's never not been there for you. He saw every tear you've cried. He's felt every groan that has come out of the depths of your soul. He's been to every dark place that your mind has gone to. Jesus has been there. You see, we have to remember that the resurrection happened because there was a death. There is a resurrection because there was a crucifixion. And Jesus on the cross a few days previous to this bore in his body not just the sins of the world, but all the effects of sins in the world. The prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, he had prophesied of a king, of a Messiah who would come, but that he would be a suffering servant and that he would carry our pain and he would take up our sorrows, that he would be one that would be pierced for our sins, that he would be crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brings us peace was put on him and through his wounds we are healed. He has carried our sorrows. He has borne our iniquities. And this means that Jesus in his own body bore the sin and all the effects of sin. He felt them. They were all absorbed into his body and in those three hours of darkness he dealt with them all. He became that for us. Offered up the perfect, beautiful, sinless life of Jesus. Offered up as a sin offering before the Father on behalf of the whole world. That was the Friday. And then that night And throughout the Saturday, Jesus was laying in a tomb. We're told in another scripture that Jesus was placed in a tomb and descended to the lower parts of the earth. He experienced hell for us, we could say. And I tell you this first and foremost because you need to know if you don't already that Jesus did this for you. But I also tell you this because the implications of that are that Jesus has been to the lowest of the low. You can't go any lower than where Jesus has been and he's been there for you. So no matter how low you feel, no matter how dark you feel, as how the darkness has come around you, no matter where you've been in life, how broken you have been. Jesus has been there and beyond for you. And so you are not alone. You're not alone in your suffering. You're not alone in your grief. Jesus has been where you are. You can't get any lower than where Jesus has been. God himself has lived through a Saturday and a Friday, and he knows what it's like. And like Mary... Jesus stands here today looking lovingly at you with tears in his eyes, feeling your pain, sitting in your grief. You may not recognize him, but he is there. And he wants you to know that you're not alone. I know in my life, in the darkest hours of my life, in times of loss, when I felt broken, I know I've needed to know this in in my life. Silence doesn't mean absence. Um, I remember one particular the lowest maybe point of my life ever, where my own dad came into my bedroom and I was just filled with grief and brokenness and, and all I could let out of my being were, were groans. And I remember not even being aware that my dad was in the room. And when I opened my eyes, he, he, he said to me, son, if I could take this pain into my own body for you, I would do it. And, and the reality is, while I could feel the force of God's love through my dad's words, he as another human being couldn't do that for me. Another broken, sinful human being, he couldn't do that for me. But the beauty of the gospel is Jesus could. And Jesus did. He bore it all in his own body. So that we can know that we are not alone. And that there's a way out of our brokenness and of our sin. Resurrection is about hope, which we're going to talk about but it's not some superficial, hyped up hope. It is hope that enters into our suffering, feels it, takes it into itself, and transforms it so that we can be free. Genuine hope is not blind optimism. It's hope with open eyes, which sees the suffering and yet believes in the future. This is the hope of the Bible. It's not escapism, it's transformation of who we are. The second thing I want to say today is, and what we see from this passage is, Jesus says to her, she still thinks he's a gardener, but Jesus says, woman, why are you crying? What are, who is it, sorry, you are looking for? The second thing I want to say is in the form of a question to you. What if Jesus is standing here today, this morning, saying, What are you looking for? What do you want? What do you really desire? If we were all to take a moment to answer that question, it would be interesting to hear what we'd say. After we'd get through and past some of the superficial things that we might want in our life just to make us happier for a moment, I think we'd probably all get to the place where we'd say things like, we want happiness. We want to find love. We want peace, a sense of wholeness and purpose and fulfillment. We we want family. It's interesting how so much uh, would resonate with our common humanity, what we really want in life. And yet the reality is, while we all want those deeper things in life, we spend our lives looking for them in quite desperate, frantic ways. Henry Thoreau, the poet and philosopher, he says, we live lives of quiet desperation, And if ever there was a quote for this age that we live in, it's that, we live lives of quiet desperation, only I suppose in recent days, in the last decade or so, it's not even that quiet anymore. It's an obvious desperation, a search for something to fulfill our desires, to find what we're looking for in quite a driven, desperate way. Mary Magdalene, as I've suggested, seems to have had a pretty colored and checkered past. She had looked, it would seem, for wholeness in all sorts of other ways, in all sorts of other people, potentially. And in that regard, she represents us all running to and fro here and there, trying to find something that will fulfill the deep parts of what we're actually looking for. But maybe when we boil it all down, we're all looking for the same thing. Beneath all the hectic nature of life, beneath all the scrambling for success and the desire to be noticed and to be liked and to be recognized and to be valued, maybe we're all looking for the same thing, for love, for deep gladness, for a wholeness in our hearts, for a desire to be completed, for a gap to be filled inside us. And what if in this time that we're living through when so much of our lives is being stripped away and so much of the frantic and frenetic nature of life is being taken away, what if this is an opportunity For the deeper questions of the soul to be asked, what if Jesus has sent us to to us this morning? What are you really looking for? What do you want? see, for Mary over these past previous three years, she had tasted of what she really longed for in life, the love of God, and nothing could compare to it. I have found the one my soul loves, she could say, the one that she was born to know. The famous kind of quote from St. Augustine was, you have made us for yourself, O Lord and our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. Jesus has made us for himself. He can only complete us when we open up our hearts to him. But what we need to know today is Jesus will never violate our freedom. He he will never um, superimpose himself on us in that way, because love is a choice. Otherwise, it wouldn't be perfect love. It would be a forced and manipulating form of love and Jesus will never do that. He longs for us to enjoy his perfect love, to to love him in the same way that he loves us. In that regard, love will not be binding and restricting and controlling, but freeing and liberating to become who we were created to be. And so he asks us the question, because he wants to probe us to awaken love in our hearts, to say, what is it you're really looking for? What is it you really desire? He's looking to awaken our hearts, to what we really desire, which is him. So he can give us his love, who we were truly created to be. Mary, at this stage of her life, has been so so completely undone by this type of love that she desperately says to who she thinks is the gardener, I'm looking for Jesus. I'm looking for my Lord. And I don't know what they've done with him. And it's into this desperate cry of Mary that Jesus says her name, Mary. And that's my third point today. You're not alone. What are you looking for? He says your name, your personal name. And this is what I want you to hear. Jesus is saying your name this morning. Michael, Jill, Rachel, Andrew, John, Laura, Jackie, Jasmine, David, he says your name. He speaks your name. And I can only imagine as Mary heard her name that the tender force of Jesus' words echoed all around her soul. And all of a sudden, from this person that she didn't recognize, she now hears something It feels like it's the most familiar voice that she's ever heard in her life. It's the language of the soul, the language of the deep parts of her being loved and being known. And... Deeper than her anguish and deeper than her grief and deeper than her brokenness, she hears her name being called and hope starts to rise. An eruption of joy starts to come from deep inside her. And she says, Rabboni, which means teacher. She knows in this moment, it's Jesus. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, Mary of Magdala. He just says, Mary. Her past has been absolved in Jesus himself. The insinuation and the reputation of what her name carried has been dealt with. Her identity is now as a beloved whole child of God. Jesus, who had loved her all her life, is now calling her name and she realizes who she was originally called to be, her true identity. Do you feel the dignity that Jesus has given this woman? Do you feel... The tender force of his words as he says her name. The tender force of love, M- Mary. And in these moments when she hears her name, she knows that this is the answer to her soul's cry or to the soul's question, what are you looking for? The resurrection, Frederick Buchner says, means that the last thing is never the final thing. The resurrection means it's not over. In fact, it can just be beginning, a whole new start. And as Mary hears her name today, this is what she comes to understand. And my prayer today is wherever you're sitting, Jesus is tenderly and lovingly coming to you. You may not have recognized him. You may not have even felt desperate for him. But you need to know that you're not alone, that Jesus invites you to answer the question, what are you looking for? And before you can even maybe recognize he's asking you those words, he's saying your name. He wants a personal relationship with you to share abroad his love in your life, to take away your sins, to cleanse you, to make you whole, and to make you fully forgiven in him. And that's my prayer for you this morning. C.S. Lewis said this, in the end, there's two types of people. There are those who will say, Jesus, your will be done. And then there will be those who Jesus has to say to them, your will be done. Please don't be one of those who say, who Jesus has to say, your your will be done. Don't close your heart to the invitation into the heart of Jesus to be made whole and to become who you were created to be and to know the resurrection life pumping in your veins. And that's what I want to pray for you this morning. And so if you don't know Jesus today, I want to lead you in a prayer. Just to put your faith and trust in Jesus as he says your name. And so you can pray along with me. Father, thank you that this morning you have not left me alone. Jesus, thank you that you have been with me, even when I haven't recognized you. I hear you asking me the question, what are you looking for? And Jesus, as I hear you say my name, I realize that you love me and that you want to make me whole. So Jesus, would you forgive my sins? Thank you for what you did for me on the cross. Thank you that it is enough. Would you cleanse me? Would you forgive me? Would you make me whole? Would you come and be my King, my Savior, and my Lord? In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer or would like any help, I'd love to encourage you to speak to someone. The the phone number on the bottom of the screen, please just phone that. There'll be people ready to pray for you, ready to chat to you. And uh, we'd love to follow up, having conversation and relationship with you for, for anything that you need. But particularly if you've come to Jesus, even for the first time, we'd love to chat to you this morning. God bless you. Have a great Easter Sunday. And watch the screens for a really exciting um, song that we've just released here amongst the worship teams in the manual. Know you'll be truly blessed by watching this. God bless. Christ is risen. Uh, okay. What did they say? Uh, screen, screen, did watch it? Screen. Uh, watch this video. Okay. Okay. What do you what, where do you want me to go from, sorry? Just, um. What was that? Something like, uh. S- s- What's the <laughs> I think just really. Sh- so I'd say it about the phone lines, you just pick up from there sort of thing? If, if you can pick up from there, I'll do it. Okay. That second. okay, okay, okay. So if you prayed that prayer today or you need any help, or you'd like somebody to pray with you, you'd like somebody to talk to, we'd really love you to avail of our phone line here, um, which you can see. We'd love you to phone, phone that number. There'll be people ready and waiting just to chat, to listen, and to pray. We'd love to connect with you, particularly if you have no church connection or no church family, and you've heard this message today, and you just want to feel like a sense of connection, please do phone that number, um, because we be are people ready and willing and waiting for you to call. I hope you've been blessed this morning. We'd love you to stay tuned. There's going to be a worship video released um, and we know you'll be blessed. It's from the uh, worship members of our churches here in uh, the Emmanuel family. So please do watch this and be blessed and have a great Easter Sunday. Christ is risen.